Hello and welcome to the Nature Unplugged podcast, where we are all about cultivating consciousness in the digital age. Let's get going. And welcome again to the Nature Unplugged podcast with me, your host, Sebastian Sloven, and co-host... Sonia Mohammed. Sonia, welcome. Welcome, everyone. What we're going to talk about today, I'm psyched on this. Adventure travel is the theme of the, of the pod today. We just had the opportunity to do an amazing trip a couple weeks um, out through... We live in San Diego, so Southern California. A couple week trip out through um, Northern Arizona, Southern Utah, up to Wyoming, to Jackson, the Tetons, over through Idaho, Oregon, and back down the coast. It was really quite amazing. So I want to share some of the highlights of that trip, as well as some takeaways um, and tips for any of you all thinking about doing a road trip in the near future, or any sort of little travel, adventure travel. Okay, so we had this awesome trip, largely off the grid. We were camping for for part of it. We were visiting friends and family for part of it. But it was, I think, a really great time, at least for me personally, to, to kind of unplug, get back to basics and recharge. It was really kind of a refreshing trip for me. Yeah, similar. And we're also in this time of transition now to stepping into Nature Unplugged full time. And the trip came at a great moment for us where we could uh, really sort of enjoy each other, enjoy a new lifestyle and um, time together and a spirited adventure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Okay, I want to ask, I want to ask you, Sonia. What was the coolest nature experience you had from this wild road trip? Well, there were lots of experiences with nature because we went to a lot of um, national parks, right? So um, I hadn't really spent much time with bison. (laughs) So that was really cool, just seeing how big they are. And they're like totally different than any animals I really interact with in my daily life. Um, They're just like incredible. And they seem mellow, but I know that they're not always mellow, as I think a lot of us know from (laughs) different videos we've seen in mornings. But just just in general, being able to spend time in um, national parks and seeing how well they do with making it accessible to to people so that they can go in and experience it and keep it wild, you know, and, and really offer this space to interact with nature in a in a real way. Yeah. What about you? What about me? Well, okay. For me, it was, I had this really wild experience that I shared with you. You've seen it. Actually, we'll post this video, but um, we spent part of this trip visiting my uncle, aunt and uncle, who have a farm in eastern Idaho. So the Idaho, the farm is in a little town called Firth, which is close to, kind of in between Idaho Falls and Blackfoot. And... They're right on the Snake River. It's a beautiful spot. And one of my kind of favorite parts about visiting them, haven't been there in a while, but is 
is that they're right on the Snake River. And there's amazing bird watching. And the last day that we were there, I took a little dip in the river, which I love to do. Anytime there's a body of water, I'm going to take a dip. But I took a little dip. And as I was drying off, I was like right down by the water. I see this uh, great egret flying. It was upriver that was going to be flying right overhead. So I was like... <laughs> I had my phone nearby. I'm like, I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get an awesome video of this bird. Made Trump plugged, <laughs> and uh, so I pick up the, pick up the phone, start recording the video, and I'm like panning up to get the bird. And I at this, at the same, at this very moment, I hear this crazy running noise, like hooves, like a horse running or something like that. And it was loud and getting louder. And I just saw it happened really suddenly. But I look up, and this deer flies like probably six feet away from me just launches from the the bank of the river which is a little higher than me launches out uh and into the water probably like a 12 or 15 foot jump and i was i just was totally freaked out and shocked by it uh and then the the deer proceeded to swim all the way across the river and the river's kind of hectic with the, the currents but it's just charging and i i I uh, got it all on film, which is kind of cool. But I looked back, and there were two dogs. And my uncle has the his neighbor neighbors have a couple of dogs who had chased the deer from who knows where across the you know somewhere across the farm, and uh, the dogs didn't pursue uh, pursue the the deer into the river. But the 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 deer swam all the way across, gets to this island in the middle of the river, and then just hops off to safety. And it was nuts. That was my favorite part. Yeah, because we don't get a lot of deer in San Diego, so that was just yeah. And even if we did have a lot of deer, I feel like <laughs> I don't know. Do you grow up with deer? Did you ever have, like that? Would seem like a kind of bonkers experience to me. Yeah, or deer no, jumping I, right my... I would agree with that. Even growing up with millions of deer around, I can't say I've had that experience. Yeah, um, I do feel that if I didn't, I'm just gonna give a shout out to technology here because if I didn't take that moment to grab my camera and start filming. I probably would have started to walk up the bank of the river at that moment and potentially would have gotten like literally the the place where I was going to walk up the river was where the deer came shooting out and would have hit me in the face. Potentially. And then I would have launched into the water. Yeah. But that instead, would have been nuts. You got a really instead cool video. I got a really cool video. So, you know, technology, it's good to have the boundaries, but every once in a while, it's great for yeah. deer, deer jumps. Yeah. Um, so I want to just go through to give people more context. I know I kind of did it right in the beginning, but just just going to kind of quickly go through the different stops we hit up and uh, kind of share a little bit about those. So we left San Diego. We ended up doing kind of a hectic move and and driving overnight. Wouldn't totally recommend this for a road trip. Yeah, I thought I thought um, when Sebastian offered that as a possibility, I sort of thought he was a maniac. Um, but I am it sort of a maniac. Yeah, <laughs> but it uh, in this instance was. A really good idea we ended up going for it and we're psyched on it yeah i think it was just the way our trip was sort of building up it would have been a lot of traffic i think out of southern california going to vegas we're leaving on friday on a holiday weekend so we ended up heading out thursday night driving overnight uh drink a lot of yerba mate <laughs> jumped out yeah anyway this part not highly recommended but we did avoid traffic and made great time and ended up at the Grand Canyon, the north room of the Grand Canyon, uh, just about sunrise, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. 
And that was awesome. I had never, as a SoCal native, uh, I'm afraid to say I'd never been to the Grand Canyon before, which is shocking. But it was insane. Mm-hmm. I've seen it a lot from planes, but that was my first time in person uh, on ground level. It was really mind-blowing. And you had never been to the North Rim, right? Yeah, no, I had only been to the South Rim, and it was on a different big road trip at the end of it, and I was super exhausted, and it was a little out of the way, so it was one of those like, oh, yeah, great, there's um, the Grand Canyon, maybe like eat a snack and then leave, and I mean, it was still awesome to see, but a very different uh, experience and and time (laughs) spent with it then. Yeah. So yeah, but first time to the North Rim. A lot of vegetation on the North Rim. A lot of trees. It was beautiful. Foresty. Yeah. You know, if you've only been to the South Rim, check out the North Rim. Big shout out to the North Rim people. Yeah. Less uh, crowded, too. Less crowded. Yeah. Um, this is funny. I, th- I forget who was telling us about this, but some, I don't know, the TV show, but <laughs> they're sharing there's a scene, maybe a well-known show or a movie, of a couple of people uh, at the Grand Canyon, and they are looking out over the views, and they're like, how long do we have to stay before this is not disrespectful to leave? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're not planning on doing like a hike or Eesh. anything, um, you know, to, I suppose you could sit there and take the answer is forever. 30 minutes. <laughs> if you leave before 30 minutes, yeah, yeah. it's disrespectful to the Canyon. Uh, <laughs> and, um, what was really cool is that we, when we were there, we didn't have a really tight game plan the, for the, the next day, we had some ideas, but some of it was up in the air. Talked to a park ranger there, and gave she gave us a really wonderful, uh, a variety of really wonderful options, and we took her up on it. We left the Grand Canyon uh, later in the day, midday, late morning, and went to the um, into Southern Utah and into uh, I think it was Scenic Bypass Twelve, which is definitely worth checking out. This is kind of the area of Zion. Bryce Canyon and a lot of national monuments and things like that. We got a camping site at a place called Red Rock Canyon, which is really beautiful, lovely, lovely site, pretty low key, but beautiful kind of red rocks in that sort of Zion or Southern Utah sort of vibe. And that afternoon hit a Bryce Canyon, which I had been to, but as a youngster and didn't remember it that well, but that was pretty mind blowing too. Yeah. I had no idea what to expect at Bryce Canyon and... Um, and again, it wasn't a par- like part of our plan. It was just sort of a bonus for being up in the area. Um, and it was so cool. What are they? Hoodoos? Hoodoos. Yeah, these like cool um, formations of rocks that are like big pinnacle sort of looking things, monolith looking things. I don't know how to describe them exactly, but... It was great. It, it's, yeah, it's vast and stunning. Yeah. Again, you could spend a lot of time course at any of these parks we were sort of just in route to go north but it was really really beautiful and uh so camp that night awesome mm-hmm. night and then made our way up to jackson wyoming to stay with some family friends and that was just such a wonderful time we i think had three days there two or three days really beautiful spent a lot of time in teton national park which i mean i think a lot of i haven't hit up ton of ton of parks but that's got to be one of my favorites i yeah. really love the the vibes it seems like so many options for hikes we we're fortunate to have our dear friend lynn and ken wagner they um, showed us all around and it was really great lots of lots of swimming in alpine lakes river dips and elk 
elk, moose. Moose, we saw moose, yeah. Saw moose, elk. No bears. No bears, not sad about that. Not sad about that. We did have our bear spray ready to rock. Right, when was ready, when was ready. Bear spray and um, granola bars. Bear spray and granola bars, that's all you need in the Tetons. From there we went to Michael's Farm. We already shared a little bit about this, but they, yeah, in Firth, which is only a couple hours from Tetons, or from Jackson. And that was kind of our home base for a while there. Staying at the farm, we did a mission up to Yellowstone, which is mind-blowing. I had been there before, but again, it has been a while. Sonia's first time. New for me. Incredible. Incredible. Didn't know there were so many um, volcanoes and lava and thermal activity, There's a lot geology of, stuff. A lot on. of action yeah. going on up there. Yeah. Don't step off the trail in certain areas or you'll fall into a, you know, a pit of boiling mud that might be acidic. That's true. Pretty pretty wild spot. Really, really diverse. Uh, obviously, it's, yeah, probably the most famous national park. First one, one of the biggest, I think. Could be making things up, but it's it's one yeah. of those two things I can't remember. Definitely the first one. Okay, that's the first one. Um, no, there's bigger ones in Alaska. I think. Oh, take I think it easy. The... Alaska doesn't count. So we had a great time in that region. Great time at the farm. Uh, from there, we did a mission out. We did a mission west. We hit up Craters of the Moon yeah. National Monument, I believe, which um, is a cool, very cool sort of expanse of of Lava fields. lava fields and yeah, Sebastian so gives me a little bit of a hard time for this, but I was pretty taken by Craters of the Moon. It's like it's very, awesome. Yeah, it's just it's, it feels like a different world. It does. Yeah. Maybe moon like you. I mean, not how I would imagine the moon, but I get mm. why it's called Craters of the Moon. Yeah. Yeah. More oxygen. <laughs> yeah. Here, uh, I my sense is, I mean, it, I'm not, I'm not having to go at Craters of the Moon, but I feel like once you've seen a little bit of a lava field, it's sort of like. They all kind of look the same. Mm. It was one of my first ones, though, I oh, think. okay. Well, whatever. It okay. was great. So we one in favor of Crater of the Moons, one, like, just, you know, if you happen to be on that No, road. I'd say definitely see it. <laughs> see it if you're in the area. Okay. Uh, we spent the night in a funny little camper van outside of Boise. Mm-hmm. It was raining, so we decided not to camp. We, we got a little Airbnb. Well, uh, and you were a little sick. I was a little sick. Anyway. Yeah, that was that's kind of a side side story, but that was a cool adventure there. Um, that was sort of en route to visiting some friends in Bend, Oregon. Mm-hmm. I had never been to the state of Oregon or Bend. Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been to Bend, but not the state. Mm-hmm. But but Oregon in general and Bend was awesome. A lot a lot more volcanoes and mountains. We did some cool hiking. Yeah, yeah. Cool river time. Yep. Lots of green, lots of water, lots of mountains and volcano and lava. Yeah. Sort of the opposite of San Diego. Really beautiful. Yeah, it is very different. Um, Yeah, friends and family. Great time. That was great. Then from there, we started our mission south. We uh, went and visited Crater Lake, which is unbelievable. Crater Lake National Park, which is just mind-blowing, the colors and... uh, And there's a thing called Wizard Island there. Wizard Island. Instant fan for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, sort of explored a little bit around there, visited some friends who have a farm in southern Oregon near Ashland. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, we actually, this is kind of map us out, but we, had, we ended up going a little bit north and took, I think, the 199, which is a beautiful road, one of the most beautiful roads I've ever been on, which follows the, I believe it was the Smith River. Could be off on that, but really just beautiful winding river. Uh, getting into redwood country, 
and then that whole zone uh, through through Northern California, Redwood National Park, Humboldt Redwoods, and the Avenue of Giants. Mm-hmm. So we spent some time in there exploring the giant, awesome trees. Mm-hmm. Then visited some friends in San Francisco, San Francisco, and uh-huh. then uh, down to San Luis Obispo. Some great friends um, down there, yep. and then back to San Diego. Did it? That was it. Seventeen, sixteen and a half days. Sixteen and a half days, mm-hmm. three thousand something miles. Yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. Sounds like that. Yeah, sounds right. A lot of driving. Um, in a hybrid Prius. In a hybrid Prius, you know. I guess so. Much. It was great. Uh, awesome trip. Mm-hmm. Now I want to talk about you know for for people out there who um, are looking to take maybe a trip like this or even mm-hmm. just. A little road trip. It doesn't have to be a big giant road trip, but even like a weekend getaway. Uh, Sonia, what would you recommend, you know, tips, tools, takeaways from the trip uh, for people wanting to do some sort of little adventure like this? Yeah. Uh, well, first I'll start with just this. I think there's often an idea that, you know, the best vacations are the most exotic and expensive. And like, you know, you have to go far and you have to spend quite a bit of money to have like an incredible experience. Um, and I, you know, i I fall prey to that sometimes too. And this sort of experience just, um, sort of what's the word I'm looking for? It reconfirms that that's just not true or needed. Um, those can be great vacations, but, um, there's lots of adventure travel you can do. That's like low cost and on a budget. And yeah. yeah, this was a great example of that. So can I do it just before you get into it, a shout yeah. out, we've, we've talked about this before, but. There is a term we were, I thought I maybe coined something like this, but it was already out there called micro adventures. There's a person named Alistair Humphreys who, who's coined this term. And it's basically like what we're talking about. It's, it's, you know, you don't need to go to some, you know, like super exotic place to have an awesome time. But this is how, this is the definition of micro adventure. Micro adventure is an adventure that is short, simple, local, cheap, yet still fun, exciting, challenging, refreshing, and rewarding. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so, so this, this one wasn't this was, short. Yeah, but this was more of like a straight-up adventure, but definitely <laughs> yeah. um, the spirit of micro-adventure right. was alive and well. Yes, many micro-adventures on our adventure. Um, but yeah, so as we were thinking about it, um, we realized, man, we've got some good takeaways here that we wanted to share with you all. And um, the first one that helped us out the most was really thinking about this trip and where we were going Um in uh, through a lens of you know where where do we have friends and family that we also want to see, and then in the places that we don't, how can we find affordable ways to spend the night? Um, so first, you know, we started with checking in with family and friends and seeing who was around and who was interested in hanging out um, and adventuring with us, and then when that didn't work out, you know, we had. Um, a couple great resources. There's like a free campsites website that we use to just sort of explore what options would be out there for um, free places to camp. Um, there's a thing called BLM, which I was not super familiar with. It's Bureau Land Management, right? Um, so, I know, novice over here. Um, but they have um, you know information about dispersed camping, like what costs of campsites are, etc. Um, I don't know if you want to say anything more about BLM, but um, no, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll include some links, but basically, this is this is, you know, the people's land and um, varying regulations and stuff. But but oftentimes you can, right, camp wherever. This is, um, you know, 
lots of opportunities. So it doesn't have to be like a you know more formal camping site. And so there's there's far more options than the you know the sites that you traditionally look for that are more formal. And you'll you'll have of course less amenities, but uh, that's okay sometimes. Yeah, and so we ended up having a nice blend of um, you know time with friends and family and more traditional setups like beds and <laughs> roofs and kitchens and things, and then also got in some good camping. Um, yeah, we certainly weren't. This was when we weren't like this wasn't a full full unplayed revenant trip. This was a, a mixed mixed yeah thing, mixed yep. Um, another tip that we have to offer is just knowing your limits. So, um, part of why I thought Sebastian was a little bit of a maniac to leave on Thursday night and drive through the night is because I was I was worried about pushing our limits too far and then like feeling really rough uh, right at the beginning of our trip and not being able to enjoy it. Um, but I think when I sat with that and we talked about what it would actually look like in terms of splitting driving and, um, time sleeping, et cetera, and what the next day would look like, it seemed reasonable actually. And so, um, taking the time to like know what you need to feel well and healthy on a trip like this. Um, I think we also sort of figured out pretty fast that like nine hours a day was the ideal. Like we wouldn't want to drive much more than that unless there was like a real good reason to, um, etc. Um, yeah, self-care mm-hmm. and again, what works for us, of course, may not work for other people or what, what is fairly comfortable for some people may not be comfortable for others. So yeah, it's just, I think thinking that through, making sure. Yeah. And then, you know, being preventative when you can, like we also tried to make sure that we, you know, made stops when we needed to got out and moved around, like ideally being able to get a decent amount of physical movement on a big driving day was really helpful. Um, and you know, having the preventative pieces in place, but then also preparing for the, um, Oh, I'm not feeling well. I'm sick. My stomach hurts, something like that. And then just having some basic stuff that'll get you through it. Um, medicine, you know, water, good food, et cetera. Band-aids if you cut yourself, blah, blah, blah. Um, The other huge thing that super helped us was packing a cooler, really dedicating some good space to some good food in the car with us was incredible, both in terms of just eating well and then also keeping our costs pretty low. And the one little nugget that I'll also include is is making sure um, you include some treats, some things you'll be like really excited to eat because that helps like when you do stop for gas and you go in a gas station and there's all these like great things that you want to eat, um, avoiding that trap. Um, let's see. If you happen to be a camper and have some cool camping gear and you have camping kitchen stuff, that's also great to throw in the car. So that's another tip. Like if you've got a little stovetop thing, then you can, you know, make pasta, rice, coffee, tea, like all the things. Sky's the limit. Um... Sebastian alluded to this, another tip. He's really great at it. Um, not being shy about asking locals for their advice and recommendations. Um, you know, push yourself if you're in the boat where you'd rather just try to research everything online because oftentimes um, you get way better information from human beings than the internet. Yeah, this is. I think this is a really important one, I think, and in line with kind of what we're all about. But there's so many resources so many adventure travel resources and, and all these things that you can that you can find online. I think the challenge is, is that it's it's just kind of overwhelming. It's hard to kind of sort through it all. Um, I mean, we got we we spent probably ten minutes with a park ranger 
and got such valuable information that really made the first few days of our trip, um, you know, work, work super well. And I think, yeah, the more you can do that, the more you can talk to people, uh, it's good for us to to talk to people (laughs) face to face. And, um, I think it's more effective too. Yeah. Um, and then it's sort of overarching theme and general tip is, um, finding a balance between having a plan, like have a plan, um, but then also be flexible, like understand where you don't need to be rigid, like respect others time, et cetera. If you've got plans to visit them. Um, but then, you know, let the wind take you where you want to go. If something comes up in a, in a piece of your trip where you don't need to be anywhere at any particular time. Um, and finally, I would just also say, um, it's probably useful, especially if you're going on this trip with someone else, friend, partner, et cetera, um, to think about how you want to use your phones and your media, et cetera, on the trip. Um, because you can sort of fall into all the same traps as when you have your phone at home. Um, when you're in the car, there's like lots of free time to fill up with sort of mindless things. Um, and there's a lot of great opportunity to connect with the person you're with, um, you know, and or do intentional like podcast listening, um, like audiobooks, you know, whatever, um, nature bingo, license plate bingo, whatever your heart desires. What is nature bingo? Well, it's like you'd have a bingo card and it would be different, um, nature things like animals or trees or that sort of thing. Oh, I see. When you're driving? Yeah. Oh, but the driver can't play. Yeah, the driver wouldn't be, but it could be a collective thing. With two people, you just play by yourself. (laughs) Well, the driver That sounds great. The driver's looking around too. Okay. I mean, you often are spotting things I'm not spotting when you're driving. That's true. Yeah. But that's, that's sort of a collection of our tips from this trip. Um, and allowed us to have a pretty low cost, awesome adventure. Absolutely. Also have a, have a hybrid car (laughs) that helps too. Yeah. That's not a bad, not a bad deal. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And again, I think I just want to highlight that this was, this is a pretty, you know, a, a longer, longer trip and it went fairly far, uh, in a domestic way. And if you don't have those the resources or the opportunities, that you know, don't let that stop you from having some sort of an adventure. You can do you know so many things just in your backyard and and Go around for a long weekend. Yeah, long I think weekend. We we found ourselves pretty surprised that like on day three we had already done a ton of stuff. Oh like, yeah. Oh, this could have just been a long weekend and it would have been great. Yeah, for sure. So I think the spirit of adventure is more important than the destination. Yes. Totally. Beautiful. Okay. Well, cool. With that, I think that wraps up. This episode of the Nature Unplugged podcast, talking about talking again about adventure travel and some tips and tools around that. Um, we would love for you to rate us on, take a moment to rate us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find our podcast episodes basically wherever uh, podcasts are available, Stitch, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, etc. Uh, be sure and check out our website, www.natureunplugged.com for more information and resources. And you can also reach out to us directly from that site. Um, you know, we, we'd love to hear. We'd love to hear from you if you have questions, comments, feedback, any ideas for guests for the show. And uh, yeah, until next time, namaste. Don't want to know if you're leaving, if you can't decide. Um, I'm letting